in because it was the first self-employed BFS file I had done. So wasn't really clear on what the document requirements were going to be. And every time I went back to him, I had a different list or a modification of a list of documents that was needed. And I could tell that the transaction was going sideways. But it was, you know, it was starting to be like, you could feel it's like, yeah, yeah, the plane's like, beep, 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 beep. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Welcome to the ILMB Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, I talk to a rookie who's making waves in the industry to find out how they're succeeding in today's competitive market. Today on the show, I have Greg Bracken. He's a mortgage broker based out of Ottawa. And before becoming a broker, he worked at Enterprise Car Rental. I've known a couple of great mortgage brokers that have come out of the car rental business. I think it's because they really focus on customer service because ultimately they sell a commodity, not unlike being a mortgage broker. And a couple of quick things about Greg first. He's part of our Rookie to Rockstar University that we offer exclusively through our brokerage, ILMB Mortgage Pros. And in 146 days, he's already funded seven mortgages. He's got one closing this month and five next month. And he has got eight fully underwritten pre-approvals with documents, which I mean is credit pulled, everything. Like these people are just basically trying to win one of the offers that they write. And so Greg has completely changed his mortgage business and how he was growing it. And a couple takeaways from this episode. First, he shares some lessons learned from one of his first B deals and about setting expectations. And he talks about how starting out, he'd call 40 plus realtors in a day with very little success and how now having a plan completely changed that for him and changed his business. And then finally, at the end of this episode, him and I talk about how to effectively switch tasks. He's pretty busy right now in his mortgage business. And so I asked him what his challenge was. He said, my challenge is really just being able to switch from you know underwriting to prospecting. And so him and I go back and forth about some ideas on that. And I share with you a strategy that's worked very well for me as a guy with ADD to be more focused and dialed in. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. Also in my Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Reuven from Dita.ca about why it's so important that you fall in love with the problem that you're solving and not in love with some other aspect of the business. Because if you fall in love with the problem, you're gonna be always creative and innovative and you're not gonna get tired of it. So it's be a great conversation too. Before we jump into that, I gotta give a shout out to my title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform. Very easy for brokers to use, even easier for borrowers to use. And it's got some really cool features baked right into it. First, as the client's filling out the application, it's gonna automatically figure what documents they need based on how they fill it out. It's also got something called submission notes. So when you get ready to submit your file to the lender, instead of you having to remember everything that you put in the app, it actually scrapes it from the application, makes it easier. You just put a couple little tweaks on it, send it off, and it's connected to the lender spotlight, which allows you to search rates and guidelines to make sure that your chances of getting an approval are higher. Check out finmo.ca and check out this conversation with Greg. Hey, Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott, thanks a lot for having me. So tell me a little bit about yourself and okay. where you're from. Yeah, so I'm from a small town in Ontario here called Bowen Sound, but I've been living in Ottawa for the last 10 years or so. Entered the mortgage business in 2019, so I work in the Ottawa market. Very nice. And what did you do before you got into the mortgage business? So I worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I was a branch manager with them over there and was sort of tied to the office or, you know, 12, 14, 16 hours a week. Started getting kind of really, really anxious about going into work and ultimately decided to make the decision to come into the mortgage world. 
But why mortgages? What was specifically about mortgages that got you? Yeah, that? that's a good question. So essentially, my partner was doing research in South Africa at the time for school. I had an opportunity to go and visit her over there, but I couldn't get the time off work with my previous job. So when push came to shove, I ended up getting a little bit of time off. But on that trip, I became super fascinated with the concept of lifestyle design and like really creating a life that... It's uh, very Tim Ferriss of you. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And uh, yeah, reading the four-hour work week definitely fueled that's that. A- dangerous book to read man it's, yeah. it's yeah. when i first read it i was like who is this guy you know yeah. Like, yeah. it was pretty uh, disruptive so yeah. Um, yeah and the cool thing about being a mortgage broker is you can lifestyle design to a large degree if you are smart about it you can do a lot of things with this career that you just can't do with a lot of other careers that's right that's right so, so it became very attractive to me from that standpoint right that makes a lot of sense okay so then when you decided to take the plunge from working at enterprise and to being a mortgage broker did you go part-time full-time like when was that and what was that transition like that South Africa trip ended up being a catalyst for me. So two weeks back at Enterprise after that trip, I gave my resignation, uh, resignation rather, and left right away, went full-time into the mortgage business. So yeah, to answer your question, I jumped in headfirst. Okay. And so some people go through this. I don't know if you did, but was there any point where you questioned your choice? Be like, oh man, I know that now I have freedom, but where's my paycheck? You know, like, so go through any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think so. I've done a lot of research before making the jump and I have a family friend who's in the business in Owen Sound. And so she was fantastic, gave a lot of you know advice as well as pitfalls to avoid. That said, obviously, there's always things that you can't necessarily plan for or predict, but ultimately, I'm happy I'm here. <laughs> right. Okay, it makes sense. And so I always like to ask a question about a file because when you're new that you'll lose files 100 different ways. It's like a 1001 ways to die or something in the West. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a show. So it's a 1001 ways to lose a file but I like to share one not to bring up the pain but so that other people can hopefully learn from it because every time I've lost a file there's always a lesson so can you share a file that when you first started out that you lost but now you know how you'd handle differently yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think for me, probably the most traumatizing file of my career to date was messy through and through. It was the second file, second application that I had ever received. And it was a B deal where the client was, you know, already upset about the amount of paperwork that was going to be required. He was paying out a vendor take back on a deal that had gone sideways the year before. So he's kind of already a little bit jaded about the process. And it was the first self-employed BFS file I had done. So wasn't really clear on what the document requirements were. Were going to be. And every time I went back to him, I had a different list or a modification of the list of documents that was needed. And I could tell that the transaction was going sideways, but it was, you know, it was starting to be like, you could feel it's like, yeah, it's yeah, to crash. It the plane's like, like, beep, 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 beep. That's it. Right. That's it. My eyes started, you know, twitching a little bit. I'm pretty obsessive when it comes to ensuring that my clients leave happy and with a positive experience. But at the time, I just didn't really have the experience to understand, you know, how to make it right for him and what was important to him ultimately. Uh, and that's so an enterprise I, thing. I know other people from the mortgage space that worked, they seem to have good training and customer services like, because it's a commodity business at the end of the day, you can kind of choose whoever and it's all going to come down to the customer experience, customer service. That's it. So, that's and it. you're like, hey, I'm not delivering the customer service I'd like because I just don't know it well enough yet. That's and exactly right. So what would you do different now that you have more experience and you, know, you find out more mortgages, what would you do different? 
Yeah. So that was a huge learning opportunity for me. And the big thing is just, you know, that was the number one thing that led me to learning and understanding exactly what's required on different borrower profiles, different people who, you know, obviously there's different document requirements. So really just drilling down and becoming crystal clear and then taking that one step further to coach the client that, Hey, this is the documents that we need upfront, but also prefacing by saying, you know, a lender could come back and ask for something else in the future. So just making sure really that the lines of communication are open about those documents from day one. Yeah. And it's all about setting expectations. If you say, Hey, it's going to be this difficult and it's way more difficult. It's better to actually just be more and mm-hmm. people can, and if they don't want to do it, well, at least you save yourself the hassle. It's when they think it's going to be easy and it ends up being hard. I always say it's hard on the front end is easy on the back end and generates referrals. Easy on the front end is hard on the back end and it will not generate referrals. It'll just right. kind of give you an ulcer. Yes. So that's what you have to do. Okay. So there's kind of two distinct skills you got to master as you became a mortgage broker, sales and underwriting, which was harder for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, ultimately I kind of a people person by nature. So the soft sales skills come relatively easy things like listening and, you know, empathy and all that stuff with the client. But at the beginning of my career, I spent a lot of time sort of trying to aimlessly befriend realtors with no clear business objective. So I guess to answer your question, you know, having my sales process dialed in has been the biggest area of focus and it's ultimately led for the biggest increase in productivity for me. Right. That's awesome, man. So you're in our Rookie to Rockstar University program. And for you, been the biggest sort of takeaway or thing that you've been able to apply to help you? I think the biggest thing for me, you know, hinges on having a little bit of structure built into my day and into my process. So, you know, obviously going from a corporate environment where there's this very, very rigid sort of uh, structure in place. You've got to show up. You've got to like open the door at this time. And like, it's very, yeah. Versus a mortgage broker. It's like, I'm not feeling it today. Have you ever seen that commercial? Yeah. You don't, yeah have a Snickers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's is there right. a worldwide shortage of gazebos? Like, you know, you don't have to do anything if you don't want to. Right, right, exactly. So I think ultimately having that, it's not super rigid structure, but just having a little bit of built in direction, if you will, has really benefited me. And then you mentioned something about the realtor side. So how has having a plan for realtors helped your conversion on realtors? And just how has that gone now that you have a plan? Honestly, insane. Like there was days at the beginning of my career, I was making 40, 50 realtor dials a day, just trying to get them out for coffee or what have you. And I might book two meetings from those 50 calls. And now I'm, you know, I'll make 20 calls and I'm booking eight or 10. So, you know what I mean? As far as penetration, for lack of better word, I guess. Uh, so your conversion, maybe is a better word. Conversion yeah. sounds better. <laughs> yeah, sexual yeah, yeah. Than, so yeah. Conversion is better on those cold. But then what is the conversion like once you meet? What is your success rate with? when you've met with a real estate agent and getting them to send you business and such? That's a great question. I, you know, obviously like having a more dialed in process, realtors are much more willing and able like to ask for business is the biggest thing that was the hardest for me at the beginning. And by asking outright and just letting them know I'm here for them has increased my conversion by, you know what I mean? Double or triple. Right, right. That's awesome. I got to ask about sort of the having underwriting support. So one of the things that we do that's unique is having these underwriting coaches. What's that been like being able to go in and get questions answered and stuff? Yeah, it's fantastic. The turnaround time has been exceptionally quick and it gives me the confidence really that, you know, the effort is placed on going out and obtaining files, getting clients in the door and not having to worry that I don't have a full understanding of the underwriting requirements has been tremendous to boost my confidence in that regard. Yeah, you can go out and be like, hey, did you know somebody will help you put it together and exactly. you won't have to wait two or three days to do it. Okay, that's right. That's really good. From your you know perspective right now, anything else that you sort of learned about being a mortgage broker? you know, that surprised you, I guess. 
That's a good question. I mean, from early on, you know, I was given that advice to just go out and get the files and we'll take care of the underwriting on a file by file basis. And that was huge for me early in my career and still is just because it allows me to keep focused by just looking at, you know, bringing a client in the door and then learning underwriting on a file by file basis, as opposed to trying to have a comprehensive understanding of underwriting before going out to find a client. The problem is, I don't think you can actually learn it unless you're doing it file by there's so much totally. nuance it's sort of like you can't learn to drive a car by you know my daughter got 97 on her driving test she was a little scary when she first got right. behind the wheel i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah. i'm like you scored higher i wouldn't score 97 percent today but she scared me because i was like there's a disconnect right and so i right. think with underwriting in particular it's so nuanced and as you know you change one detail and everything changes it's like it's like That's shuffle it. shuffle shuffle we got to start over right this, everything that we we're going to plan to do with this file is now gone out the window because of one item that comes up. Mm-hmm. So that's really good. Okay, so I asked some rapid fire questions. You can answer shorter answers if you like. What's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? We'll tell you, but uh, you wouldn't need to look too, too far to find out I'm a bit of an outdoors junkie. So anything hiking, camping, snowboarding, that's what fires me up outside the office. Right, come out to Kelowna someday. We got the great skills out here. So no offense right what they on. have yeah. in Owen's yeah. or in uh, Ottawa, but yeah. they're, pretty yeah, good that's out. they're pretty good out here. Yeah. Right What's on. a movie everybody should watch at least once? You know what? I was actually dreading this question. I'm not much of a movie guy, but I recently watched The Alpinist about a Canadian rock and ice climber on Amazon Prime. Fantastic. Would highly recommend. Have you watched the one Free Solo? Yes. Yeah. Also fantastic. That was like, man, I was just like, uh, it's so unnerving. You're just (laughs) like this guy. And the interesting thing, if you guys listening to this, is that they put him under like a scanner. They looked at his, uh, what is it called that takes your fear center in your brain. The amygdala, I think. Amygdala, right. Yeah, the yeah. amygdala, and they're like, it doesn't work like other people's. It's like, right. so, because most people, their amygdala is going to just fire up like crazy. You put them on the side of a cliff with no rope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. You'd be great as a mortgage broker. Just making calls <laughs> yeah, like nothing yeah. to it, man. This yeah. is an phase. <laughs> that's it. All right, so what's three software programs or digital tools you can't run your business without? Big on Calendly, Trello, yeah. and then Google Workspace. Yeah, those are all great. What's the best advice you received as a new mortgage broker? I think early on, just going back to, you know, obtaining new clients and getting as many files in the door as possible and just letting the underwriting follow. Right. And then learn as you go on the underwriting. Some people get stuck up and they want to really know everything, but the problem is you're just not going to be able to retain it all. Right. And it's going to slow you down from getting paid, unfortunately. And then I think there's mortgage brokers that don't survive as mortgage brokers because they spend so much time trying to learn the technical side and not developing the sales side. Right. And if you look at the reason we exist as mortgage brokers is to acquire clients. Like the banks know their policies better than we do. They don't have a policy problem. They know what they'll do. They want the clients. And so that's what our primary job is to go and find clients. And then, of course, be like a dating service or something. Um, So knowing what you know now, what would you do different if you were to start over? That's a really good question. Honestly, I'm super happy where I am right now. I don't think there's a ton I would do differently. One thing that did really impact my day-to-day was joining a co-working space in Ottawa. I just wish I had done that sooner. I really struggle with having my home and work in the same space. So that made a massive difference in my productivity level. Right. Yeah. Actually, I work from a small office too. I don't have dogs barking and Right. You know, my wife saying, oh, I got somebody delivering something and can you, and it's like a hundred <laughs> yeah. distractions a day. Okay. So what would you say right now is your biggest sort of challenge or thing that you're trying to solve? 
I think the one thing is that I struggle a lot with transitions. So I have a pretty short kind of squirrely attention span in general and have a lot of difficulty kind of switching between tasks. So if I'm locked into one thing in the morning, it can be difficult for me to sort of, you know, change gears in the afternoon and make it. So do you find you just don't want to switch or do you find that you bounce like you don't actually fully switch? So you're kind of going back and forth. like Exactly. Exactly. The latter. Right. And so what have you tried to help sort of mitigate that? I'm curious. The one thing that I've just recently started to try is getting up and going for a quick walk and coming back in to settle. And that seems to work a little bit, but still can be difficult to kind of get back into the flow. Right. How do you break your day? So one of the things I always talk about is breaking your day into quarters, right? Like, you know, right. eight to 11, 11 to two. Have you given any thought to that? I haven't. No. Okay. So I'll give you the sort of the lowdown on that. So if anybody listening doesn't know what we're talking about. So essentially this came from Lori Snowden, her idea, and I think it's genius. And so you break your day into quarters I go eight to 11, 11 to two, two to five, five to eight. So there's four quarters in a day. And I like football. You can't win the whole day, right? But if you can win a quarter, it can make you be successful still. So for instance, so eight to 11, let's say things don't go well, eight to 11. I'm like, okay, my day's not shot because at 11, I get a reset. At 11, I get the new quarter. So kind of like in a game, if you're playing a sports game and you're losing at the end of the first quarter, everybody gets a break or just like you're talking about this, Mm -hmm. this reset. But I've actually break my day into my priorities, 8 to 11, 11 to 2, 2 to 5, 5 to 8. And then I even put in 5 to 8 because I'm not working 5 to 8. Typically, I'm doing family stuff. I'm going to the gym. But I've put that all in there. And then at each day, I just go, okay, between those time slots, what are the two or three things I want to get done in each? And then if I get them done, I just take something else and keep moving. And then I feel like, right. you know, if I win three of the quarters of the day, that's a success. Mm-hmm. I don't have to get them all. And it kind of takes the pressure right. off, but also helps me focus for shorter periods of time because I have ADD, a problem you maybe you do as well. Right. And yeah. so if expand it too long, I'm all over the flipping place. Right, right. And so I found that to be helpful. And then I have a pregame. So just like in sports, so before 8 a.m., my pregame is basically, you know, getting my morning stuff done, my morning routine, and then I map out my day, figure out, okay, what are my tasks between these different quarters? Mm-hmm. And then I just hit my day. And then at the end of the day, I look and go, okay, how did I do? And I check the little boxes and I get a little dopamine hit. Check, check, check. Right, right. So I feel like, oh, and never, ever have I hit 100%, not even once. But mm-hmm. I am more productive on a daily basis and it helps me reset. So this was Lori's idea, which I think was genius. And she does this too. She'll be like, okay, that first quarter sucked. I'll go have a cup of tea, come back, reset. Just like you see in some sports teams will do the same thing. So right. maybe it's like a, a try. momentum shift or momentum. Yes. Yeah, to get a momentum shift. And then you come back and you're like, all right, redo. And so, I mean, you're doing great things and your business is rocking and rolling. So if your morning quarter was either could be prospecting or file time, and then just break that day into chunks so that you're like, you know, you have them sort of delineated a little bit more. That might be right. helpful, but right on. Well, anyways, man, I'm so stoked for your success. You're doing amazing things. And I'm glad that you didn't go back to enterprise, you know, no offense <laughs> to those guys, but keep rocking and rolling, brother. Thanks for coming on the show. Right on. Appreciate it, Scott. Thank you. So thanks again for listening to that conversation I just had with Greg. If you're listening to this and you're a rookie and you're like, man, how do I get my mortgage business going? Maybe you're not getting the traction that you want. Go to rookietorockstar.ca and check out a free training that we have there. You can find out about our university, find out about our brokerage and how we are completely tuned into helping new agents succeed. Go to rookietorockstar.ca. And in this upcoming conversation with Ruben from Deeded, we talk about why you must fall in love with the problem that you're solving for clients. And that's going to be the most sustainable thing to do. Check it out. Hey, Ruben, welcome back to Ask the Experts. Scott, great to be here. Thanks for having me again. 
So I always love entrepreneurial conversations you and I have that are even outside of what we do on a nine to five. But one of your sort of core philosophies is fall in love with the problem you solve. And you've done this in your other companies and you've done it with Deeded. So define that for me, what you mean by that. And then also explain to me what is specifically about the closing process have you fallen in love with that gets you up every morning? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it's always been the human aspect of it. So if you look at like, you know, the process of buying a home or getting a mortgage, you know, it should result in a really happy and exciting moment, right? Like there's nothing more exciting than your client at the end of the day, whether they're a first time buyer, whether they're an investor, they're getting their mortgage funds, they're getting their keys. For the most part, that's one of, you know, life's most memorable and exciting moments. Unfortunately, the issue that I saw, and I think we all face it, is sometimes it's way more difficult to get there, to get to that outcome without putting your client through stress and anxiety and uncertainty. And I think there's a stat out there that I saw that about a third of homeowners cry and have essentially a breakdown throughout the process of buying a home. And I'm thinking in my head, like that should be the exact opposite. If you're going to cry, there better be tears of joy because it should be a happy moment, right? So, you know, what gets me up in the morning is I'm completely infatuated with solving the problem of making home ownership the joyous experience that it should be and fixing that journey every step along the way to make sure that we're fixing some of the fundamental issues like communication, like transparency, like, you know, delivering that level of certainty that, you know, we all need deep inside to make sure that we wake up in the morning, we know we've made the right decision as homeowners or home buyers, and we know that everything's going to be okay at the end of the day. Right. So I love this idea of falling in love with the problem you're trying to solve, or be obsessed with the problem you're trying to solve. And so can you give me an example of, or maybe a couple examples of things that as you guys have been growing deeded ways you've made the process smoother? Cause I think that will help people kind of wrap their mind around applying this to their mortgage business as well. Yeah. So a couple things, one, I think we talked about in previous shows is getting that visibility and transparency to your closing. And I think of closing as sort of the, essentially a third of the mortgage transaction. If you really think about it from a getting a lead and nurturing the lead through an application, getting that application approved. And then a third leg of the stool is closing, you know, getting that mortgage funded or getting that purchase to go through all the way through keys. And one of the things that I found lagging from my own personal experiences as a client and as a mortgage broker as well, you often don't have visibility into what's going on behind the scenes. Or if you want visibility, it's usually a whole series of phone calls, voicemails, texts back and forth to get that visibility. So that's really the first problem that we kind of set out to solve. And we said, look, if you are able to track your Uber Eats and you're able to track your Amazon order, why can't you track the closing of your mortgage? And that's precisely what we've developed. We have a unique app and a portal that lets you as the mortgage broker, lets your client, and in fact, anybody else involved, even a realtor, if they're part of the deal, everybody sees exactly what's going on in the transaction and the closing mm-hmm. part. They know what we've received, what the next step is, and that really, really eases the level of surprises and anxiety from essentially everybody involved in the transaction. The other example, even the initial contact with that client, you've got clients that go through a mortgage process. A lot of times as a broker, you're asking them for documents, right? You're asking Mm -hmm. for tons of information, IDs, documents, various Blood things. sample, DNA test, oh, everything, right? And it's difficult. And I think, you know, most brokers that I speak with on a daily basis, 
face a lot of backlash and frustration from clients. I think that's where, you know, that's where the anxiety level goes up and saying like, Hey, Scott, how many more documents are you going to ask me for? Yeah. But then you get to an outcome, you know, getting that approval from the perfect lender at the perfect rate. And you're going to move on to, you know, closing, you're going to use a solicitor, you're going to use a title company. And then what happens? The first thing we ask is the same client for the same documents. Right. Which, from the client's experience, is, it's like, do you guys not communicate? Do you don't talk like, can you guys not sort this out? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that first interaction, if it goes well and it's a perfect handover, meaning, you know, we already know the borrower's information. We know what property they're refinancing. We have some of their core documents. We don't have to ask and start that conversation again. We, it's already a warm handoff. We know, hey, Mr. Peckford, you're closing on February 14th and here's the property. And here's March the March 15th, actually, but that's okay. I am closing with you guys on March 15th. But- <laughs> So again, it just sets the transaction off with the right tone. And we're not asking that same poor client to share that same information or the same documents again and again and again. So those are just, you know, two of the things of the many things that we're solving, but hopefully you can see how it all ties together to really making sure that it's a smooth experience for everybody that's involved in closing the mortgage transaction. Right. A couple of thoughts on this. So I know some of the most successful mortgage brokers There's one guy in particular did a thousand mortgages last year. And every week him and his team sit down, they look at their customer experience and they tell me all they try to do is remove friction. And what you're describing there, me as the borrower, having to get the same documents that I've already sent, hopefully only once to the broker, because sometimes it's like, you know, and now I got to do it again. It's like, why am I doing this again? Like, just make it easy for me. Right. And so you guys also share the trust ledger, correct? With the... Because even with our modern technology, somebody on the lender side or whatever puts in a wrong button or something doesn't get changed and all of a sudden there's something incorrect at the lawyer's office and you find out when the client calls you freaking out instead of, in your case, the broker is going to get the trust ledger and they go, hold a second, there's an issue. You as a mortgage broker now can get in front of that. You can remove that wrinkle that was coming for that client that they don't even know you did it. They'll just be like, oh, fix it, problem solved. So those are all the little things you have to think about. But you only do that if you are in love with solving that problem and obsessed about that client being like, how do I keep making this process better and more streamlined? So I think it's amazing what you guys have been doing and your growth is a testament to that. I think, man, you guys are crushing it. So if a mortgage worker is listening, there's any last thoughts for them to think about how they can apply this idea to their business? Yeah, absolutely. So at the end of the day, I think part of it is obviously fall in love with the problem. And if you're looking to grow your business, there's always going to be, you know, fair share of distractions and different paths to go. But Scott, to your point, if you look at your journey and you don't have to do it overnight, it's something that you can iterate on, remove those friction points. And the way you remove those friction points is it's simpler than it sounds. Listen to your client's feedback. If your client's getting frustrated because they're sharing the same document 15 times, figure out how to do it. There's enough technologies, there's enough ideas out there that you can leverage to solve that issue, you know, once and for all for your clients, or maybe not solve it completely, but reduce it. So if you really look at your journey holistically and then figure out what are the recurring themes that you're hearing from clients, if there are issues, their concerns, or even so much as, you know, things that clients give you feedback and they say, wow, you're doing this so well. I've never had a greater experience. Do more of those, right? So just look at your business holistically. Sometimes, you know, it's easier said than done because we're all, you know, working in the business 24 seven instead of working on the business. But that should be part of almost like your monthly or quarterly reflection to say like, I'm going to stop, carve out a couple hours, look at my journey, look at what's been happening in the last, you know, few deals that I've done and start incorporating those and get into that continuous improvement. 
Yeah, exactly. And if you want to do a thousand mortgages a year, you probably need to do it more frequently because if there's any wrinkles, your clients will find them. The thing is that when the volume increases, so does the number of pain points that they identify. And so that's why you kind of have to be obsessed with that whole thing. So if you guys yeah. are listening to this, I encourage you to go check out Dita.ca. Their service is amazing. As like he said, it's like Uber for you know closing. It's going to let you know everything's going on. The communication is better than anybody that I've seen. And I have no doubt that you guys are going to continue to grow and scale. So Ruben, thanks for having it on and check out Dita.ca. Awesome. Great to be here, Scott. Thanks again. All right. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Great conversation with Greg and Reuben. If you're listening to this and you're like, man, I'd like to just you know improve my business. I got a trick for you. Go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com and set up a free power search account. You can keyword search hundreds of past podcast episodes and jump right to anything to do with realtors or financial planners or accountants or scripting. You type it in there, it'll take you right to those spots in any of those recordings. You can listen to them. You can even copy the text because it's transcribed. Go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com and thanks again for checking out this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.